Thank you for tuning in. This is for Pete's sake on KMAZ Radio, and I am Pete Solari. You can hit me up on Twitter at for Pete's sake NY. That is the number four, P-E-T-E-S-A-K-E N-Y. Also on the web at for Pete's sake.net, for Pete's sake spelled the same way, dot net, for Pete's sake dot net. And you can check me out over at the Monday Morning Quarterback, where I am editor-in-chief. And for all your sports news and commentary from yours truly, among others, check out the Monday Morning Quarterback at mondaymorningqb.info and on Twitter and Facebook at the Monday AMQB and hashtag TMMQB. All right, so I am back. This is episode 23 coming at you on a Wednesday, the 10th of January, 2018. Just a little side note about that because... We are coming at you here on KMAZ on the 10th, January 10th, airing this Wednesday. However, this episode is being recorded on Monday, the 8th of January. So, you know, in case anything I say, you know, things change over the next couple of days. I, w- I wanted to get that out there. Also, I'm going to release this episode uh, as a podcast on iTunes, TuneIn, uh, Google Google Play, SoundCloud, uh, the Internet Archive, for Pete's sake.net, all those places. I'm going to release this a little early before Wednesday. So if you're listening as a podcast before Wednesday and you're a little confused, don't be. If you're listening on KMAZ, that means it's Wednesday. So I wish you all a happy hump day, happy middle of the week, and a very happy new year to you all. Here we are, 2018. Can you believe it? I certainly can. It's uh, I'm amazed at how fast 2017 went. Probably one of the quickest years of my life that I can even remember. But uh, here we are, 2018. The holidays are now in our rear view. The NFL wildcard playoffs are now in our rear view. And with that in mind, there are two teams I want to start off with today talking about. And, uh, you know, both of them featured prominently this past weekend on wildcard weekend. Uh, one of them had a good weekend. One of them not, not such a great weekend. But I want to talk about each of these teams. I'm talking about the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm talking about the New Orleans Saints, and I want to start off with the Kansas City Chiefs because it's just amazing to me. And maybe that you know this is that East Coast bias people are always talking about, and you know I because I'm just as guilty of it as anybody. But you know here in New York, you know you listen to sports talk here in New York, and you know you're, you're very familiar with the long-suffering Jets fans. You know these Jets fans, you know all these guys talking about how they've been Jets fans for life. You know they've never seen the Jets and you know get to a Super Bowl. Obviously, it's been a long time now, 1969. Super Bowl three, you know, here we're you, you know we're just a, a few weeks away from Super Bowl fifty two. So I mean, wow, you know, 49, 49 years or so going by, fifty years, half a century since the Jets uh, have been any good. So you know, you think about the you know the forty, even the fifty year old you know Jets fan and and their long suffering and how long you know and you watch it in New York and my goodness, you know, you you've seen some. 
you know, just some bad things with the Jets over the years, and you can't believe it. But, you know, you think about the Kansas City Chiefs now, and again, I'm just as guilty as anyone because I never really thought about this either. But, you know, they're they're just as, you know, pretty much just as, as bad off as the Jets o- over the last half a century. You know, the Jets haven't been to a Super Bowl since uh, Super Bowl three. You know, it was just one year later that Len Dawson and the Chiefs Made made that franchise's only appearance ever in a Super Bowl, Super Bowl Four. So, I mean, you know, it's been just as bad for them. And you know, they've had some excruciating losses over the years too. This loss uh, over the weekend to the Tennessee Titans, uh, just a shocking loss, really. But you know, just another one. They're six straight. They're six straight home playoff loss now. I mean, that's a that's a record, a, a postseason record. So. I mean, this—it's just amazing, you know, how bad things go for for the for the Chiefs. And you you look at the Chiefs overall this season, and you look at this game, and you kind of make a parallel. There's like a parallel there. I mean, the Chiefs are like a tale of two seasons. Maybe you know, they started off real great. They were five and zero at one point. I mean, remember when they came out uh, on opening night and beat the Patriots, the the Super Bowl champion Patriots in Foxborough. I mean, remember that they were five and zero at one point and. You know, people talking about this team being well on their way, you know, with the Vikings, what they were doing in the NFC, too. And, you know, you talk about these two teams that haven't been in a Super Bowl forever. You know, wow, maybe this is the year. And, and you know, things just collapsed for the Chiefs. Honestly, I'm not surprised they lost this game. Um, I heard a lot of predictions. A lot of people were predicting that the Titans would keep would, would keep it within the spread. The spread was something like eight, eight and a half points, I think. And uh, a lot of people were predicting it would be closer than that. The Titans would keep it in. But most people predicting the Chiefs, the Chiefs would win this game. A lot of people thinking they got over that, that hump. You know, obviously they were 5-0 at one point. Then they went on a, on, on a, on a skid. And, and people think, I guess, you know, hey, they got over it. Here we go. They're back. You know, a couple big wins at the end of the year. But, no, same old Chiefs. I'll tell you what, I'm not really that surprised. Honestly, one of the three teams the Giants beat this year. You know, I'm not impressed with any of them. I'm really not. And at the beginning of the year, I was I was pretty high on that and on that AFC West. I'm sorry. Um, with uh, you know, with the Chiefs being five and zero, Denver got off to a, a pretty good start. But that you know that didn't last long. Obviously, I remember when they went in and they rocked the Cowboys. And you know, I was uh, I was frightened of Denver after that game. I was like, wow, you know, the Giants are in big trouble. You know, when they when they have to play Denver, and then they ultimately beat Denver. So, you know, the Raiders, another team out there. You know. Just not, you know, never seemed to live up to the hype. And, yeah, I was high on that division. I'm very low on that division now, like really low on that division now. I think that division was terrible. Uh, I'm not impressed with the Chiefs at all. Um, so, I, I'm not, again, I'm not really surprised that they lost this game. But, uh, you know, it's amazing. It's just so long-suffering Chiefs fans. This game, I mean, they the Chiefs were in complete control of this game for the first half. And, and they blew an 18-point lead. They had they, they blew an 18-point lead at halftime. They were up 21 to three at halftime in complete control of this game. And they blew that to, to Marcus Mariota and the Tennessee Titans. Definitely, I think a team on the rise. I th- I think the jury's still out on Mariota uh, as a quarterback in this league. But you know, definitely, I think the Titans are a team on the rise. But I think a lot of people rightfully thought you know the Chiefs had, had you know had the better team here, and they were completely in control of this game. But, you know, like I said, the jury's still out on Mariota, but how, how about you give the guy a little bit of credit, right? I mean, come on, he had a pretty good game here. You look at him, at the second half, really, he had a great second half. Um, you know, he came out and, he, you know, like I said, they were down 21-3, to an 18-point deficit, and he led a 91-yard drive down the field that ended with a, t- a touchdown 
to himself. He threw a touchdown to himself. First time in NFL postseason history that a quarterback threw a touchdown to himself. Actually a tipped pass by Darrell Revis, the former New York Jet. And uh, then caught by Mariota, who ran it in for a touchdown. And, you know, that's a 91-yard drive. It was like an eight-and-a-half, nine-minute drive at the beginning of the second half in a game you're down. I mean, that... That's an impressive thing for Mariota right there. He re- he got another drive uh, at the end of the third quarter, a 62-yard drive that ended with a, a, a Derrick Henry touchdown just at the beginning of the fourth quarter, and then in the and then in the fourth quarter, an 81-yard game-winning drive from Marcus Mariota. Three third-down conversions on that drive. I mean, what you know? What are you doing that? With the Chiefs, I mean, what are you doing? Three third-down conversions. Give Mariota credit for that. Ends with an Eric Decker touchdown. Their first lead of the day. They're up by a point. And, you know, it, it's uh, you know obviously it's looking bad for the Chiefs. Look like another heartbreak for the Chiefs. But, you know, sadly and almost amazingly, you know, that wasn't even enough. It had to be a double heartbreak because... At the end of the game, with the Titans have the Titans have the ball, trying to run run the clock out, and uh, 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 what appeared to be a Derrick Henry fumble was picked up by Derrick Thomas of the Chiefs, run back for what looked like a touchdown, or looked like it was going to go on to be a game winning touchdown. Unfortunately, upon further review, uh, Henry was ruled down by contact. Down by contact it was the right call, so that touchdown call back. And you know, like I said, it would have been bad enough just to lose the game right there. You know, after after Mariota leads the drive with the three with the three third down conversions, but you know it, it got even worse. It looked like the Chiefs actually came back and were going to win that game. Then it gets called back. So you know, my you know, I, I'm just you know, the Jets. I I hear it talk about it a lot about how bad the Jets are and how how they've been down on their luck for so many years. And and it's true, definitely. But you know, it's amazing. You never really hear that about the Chiefs. And and it's really at least I don't I don't hear it that often about the Chiefs. And maybe again, maybe it's that East Coast bias. I am on the East Coast, so I I don't know. But you know, I just wanted to be known that my my heart going out to the to the Chiefs fans today. Obviously, uh, very very tough day for them and. You know, I don't know what to say. I honestly, I don't know what to tell the Jets fans either. Oh, oh, for all these years, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, something's got to change on that team. I think obviously things will change. I, I don't know what the problem with that team is. You know, I'm not convinced Alex Smith is necessarily the problem with that team. I don't think he's the greatest quarterback in the world, but you know, I'm obviously I don't think he's what's re- really holding them back. I think the Alex Smith era is over. Obviously, in Kansas City, and Mahomes is going to be the quarterback now. We'll see what happens to Andy Reid. I really don't know, but just my heart going out to the Chiefs fans today. And uh, props, of course, to Marcus Mariota. You know, like I said, you know, getting it done in that game. And, you know, it's amazing. On the After that touchdown was called back, on the very next play, um, Henry pretty much sealed the game. It was the game-clinching first down he got. And it was uh, you know, courtesy. It was, it was really, you know, Thanks to a a great block by Marcus Mariota. So that kid having a great day on the rise. Two AFC South teams now in the final four of the AFC. Um, I don't really have a whole lot of high praise for the other quarterback in the AFC South who's still alive, Blake Bortles. Honestly, uh, I watched that game. That was just a, a terrible game. And Bortles, you know, I give him credit for getting it done with his legs, but... You know, obviously, I don't think that's the guy uh, to get things done for Jacksonville or anybody else in this league. So, high praise to, to Marcus Mariota. Uh, condolences. Uh, maybe that's too strong a word. Uh, just my heartfelt uh, sympathies, I guess, to you, 
out there, you Kansas City faithful. I mean, you know, it's got to happen someday. Someday you'll break the curse. I hope I hope you're all there, all here to see it. I hope I'm here to see it. But, you know, another another year ends in heartbreak for the Chiefs. Now I want to talk about a team that had a good weekend, and that's the New Orleans Saints because, you know what, the Saints were actually my pick to win the Super Bowl at the beginning of the season. And the reason for that was that basically because I was reading so much about how improved this defense was going to be, and obviously we know we know what their offense is. I think, you know, their defense kind of been the Achilles heel of the New Orleans Saints for a long time, and uh, always a high-powered offense with Drew Brees, obviously. And obviously they brought in Adrian Peterson in the offseason. I thought they'd have a nice little, you know, running back by committee thing going with him and Ingram. And um, unfortunately, the Saints got off to kind of a slow start. They started off 0-2, and, you know, I, I was, you know, ready to jump off the bandwagon at that point. I was really like, wow, I mean, I, I might have goofed on this. You know, looking back at it, it wasn't so bad, I don't think. They lost to two really good teams. They lost to the Vikings, who, you know, they'll now play. They'll move on to play now in the divisional round this weekend. And they lost to the Patriots, so, you know, he lost to the best team in the AFC, he lost to the second best team in the NFC, and really, you know, with the injury to Carson to Carson Wentz, I, I mean, the the Vikings now, the the odds on favorite, I think, in the NFC to win, I don't know if, uh, if that's true statistically, I don't know, honestly, I don't know if, the, if they are the odds on favorite, but... Uh, I would think they are, and you know, clear. I mean, I know the the Eagles are underdogs this week at home against the Falcons. So, I mean, the the Eagles aren't the favorite without Carson Wentz, and I think you know the Vikings, de facto or not, are the odds-on favorite in the NFC. So, though, you know, those are two good teams the Saints lost to at the beginning of the season. I'm glad I didn't jump off the bandwagon because you know they rolled off like eight straight wins after that, and. Really, I, as they were getting hot, I was like, you know, this is everyone was talking about the Eagles, so I was saying this is the team that's going to knock off the Eagles. This is the team that's going to, you know, take the Eagles out. And obviously, I'm wrong about that. Well, obviously, maybe not. Maybe I'm not wrong about that. But we'll, we'll wait and see. But um, you know, things are looking kind of down for Philadelphia at the moment. So, you know, I think. However, you know, with with Minnesota now the favorite in the NFC, I think, you know, this is the team. The Saints are the team that can take them out. I think they've got a really, really balanced uh, uh, attack on that team. Really, they got, you know, the defense I don't think is, is, is great, but I think it's pretty good and it's good enough. Certainly, it's a lot better than they've had. Uh, for years, you know, the offense, like I said, always a high-powered offense, but now they're, they're even a more, a more balanced offense. Um, you know, Drew Brees' touchdown numbers and his yards all down this year, but the Saints had the number one run game in the league. Obviously, Adrian Peterson not there anymore, and it wasn't him. It ended up being Kamara. Um, but, you know, just, you know, Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram, that's a, you know, that's a nice one-two punch there. They have, like, the best run game in the league now. You know, they still have Drew Brees, who can get it done through the air. If you watched yesterday's game against the Panthers, you know that. He could get it done through the air. So, I mean, you know, this team, very well-balanced offense, scary offense almost. Got some, you know, a nice compliment on defense with that. You know, this is, to me, this is the team in the NFC. This is a team that could really, really get it done. Um, They almost remind me a little bit in some ways of the Giants back in 2007, the team that knocked off the Patriots that year in the Super Bowl. You know, that team started off 0-2, then they got it together. They ended up rolling off like six or seven straight wins themselves, you know, getting it done in the playoffs, 
you know, balanced attack. They had the run, complemented by Eli Manning with the pass game. They had a very good defense, that Giants team. You know, I, I think this, you know, the Saints team has a better offense, not quite as good of a defense, but definitely, definitely an offense and a defense that I think are good enough to go to the Super Bowl. Good enough to, uh, I think, I think they're going to be, they're going to knock off Minnesota this week. You know, over the years, I think the Saints have been kind of a different uh, team on the road than they have at home. I think, you know, the dome plays into what they are, you know, that high-powered aerial attack. Obviously, with Drew Brees, you know, the dome was, was very complimentary to that, but, you know, it's a different team now. Now that they can run the ball, now they're a running team, uh, you know, as well as a team that can pass the ball. Like I said, the game against the Panthers, Drew Brees, you know, Kamara and uh, and uh, Ingram only combined for, like, uh, not even 50 yards, I don't think, on the day, so... Obviously, they can still get it done through the air, too. However, you know, this is the amazing thing, though. You know, even with the running backs not getting it done, you know, the defense still has to account for them. That's like the number one rushing attack in the league. So even if they're just there as diversions, you know, they're having an impact on the game. You know, this is a dangerous Saints team. As long as that defense can hold up, you know, you see what Marshawn Lattimore, their their rookie, has has meant to them, Very been very, very good for them. And so I, I think this is a team. This is definitely a team that, I mean, maybe they don't win the Super Bowl. I don't want to say who's going to win the Super Bowl at this time, but I think this is the team coming out of the NFC, will represent the NFC in the Super Bowl, the New Orleans Saints. Um, I'm, I'm happy for it. I'm rooting for it, definitely. You know, I was excited for them at the beginning of the season. I thought, you know, I thought this was going to be a, a dangerous team. They've turned out to be. It hasn't, you know, worked out quite as I thought it would, but the end result, the same uh, up to this point, at least, they'll go into Minnesota. Again, like I said, you know, they've been a, be- a different team on the road over the years outside of the Dome. Minnesota does play in a Dome, though, too. You know, obviously, like I said, a more balanced team. I think the Saints, very, very dangerous. Um, you know, for the Giants, you know, they should look at the Saints. You see, remember when they traded Jimmy Graham a couple years ago? That wasn't very popular with the Saints fans. But at the end of the day, they brought back an offensive lineman who really shored up that offensive line. Uh, you know, I think very, very much a part of, uh, you know, helping that running game, you know, get to where it's gotten. And, you know, Max Unger, you know, it's not a sexy it's not a sexy name. You know, Max Unger, we're getting Max Unger back for Jimmy Graham. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think it's worked out. You know, Jimmy, I think Seattle is done with Jimmy Graham at this point. They're, they're ready to move on from him. I think the Saints are on their way to a Super Bowl. And, uh, you know, I think the Giants, you know, need to learn from that. You know, you don't always need to go for the sexy pick. Offensive line, such a a big part of any team, any team that's going to compete for a Super Bowl and contend for a Super Bowl. So, you know, lesson to be learned there. Also on a side note, just Sean Payton at the end of this game against the Panthers. Man, he went for it on fourth and two. Um Right around midfield, he went for it on fourth and two, and um, it ended up being a Mike Adams. Mike Adams on the Panthers intercepted the ball, and uh, it ended up being a turnover anyway. But you see, just Sean Payton, you see just how different things are with this team now. You see, Sean Payton, why? I know he's an aggressive coach. I remember, you know, you remember the onside kick in the Super Bowl, but man, oh man, you know, going for it on fourth and two just seems so stupid. Seems you know against all all, all the you know the thinking of uh, of what you would do in that situation. Why why would you go for it on fourth and two there? Obviously he wants to he you know he gets it. He's gonna ice the game, but man, oh man, going for it ends up being an interception. Actually, the Panthers lost like something like eighteen yards by intercepting the ball. If they just knocked it down, uh, they would have gotten the ball around midfield. 
you know, on a turnover by turnover by downs, but uh, you know, they ended up intercepting it, lost 18 yards. Cam Newton was flagged for an intentional grounding on the next play. It was over. But man, oh man, you think about it. If if, if Cam Newton, let's say they don't intercept the ball, they knock it down, they get the ball around midfield, they drive it down the field, and they score. You know what would have been probably the game-winning touchdown. You know, Sean Payton is on the chopping block today, I think. But, you know, you wonder if, you know, if, if it's past experience with, bad, you know, not good defenses, you know, bad defenses played into his decision-making on that. Maybe, you know, he's just not used to being able to trust his defense to make these plays. Um, I think he needs to, though. I think the defense has been pretty good, and I think uh, I think they're good enough to get to a Super Bowl, and I think they will. As for the other teams still alive in the divisional round, the other games in the divisional round, we're going to get into all of that a little bit later on. I'm going to get into some local talk here, talk about the New York Giants when we come back. But right now, i got to take a break. You're listening to For Pete's Sake on KMAZ Radio, and we will be back after this. <laughs> I was driving with the dog in the way back and my two kids in the back seat, and I saw the sign for the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. Think you want to be a part of the exciting world of radio and television? Check out Connecticut School of Broadcasting. We have nearby campuses in Stratford, Connecticut, Westbury, Long Island, and Hasbrook Heights, New Jersey. I pulled into the driveway, went in, asked for an application, and it changed my life. It's the best thing I ever did. I loved how small the classes were. I loved the fact that when I walked into the classroom, I actually recognized the voice or recognized the name of the person who was about to teach me. The job placement experience is second to none. When I graduated, I had three job opportunities, and I have worked in radio every day of my life since then. We've placed thousands of grads for nearly 50 years. Contact us today. Call 1-800-TV-RADIO or visit GoCSB.com. Connecticut School of Broadcasting has nearby campuses in Stratford, Connecticut, Westbury, Long Island, and Hasbrook Heights, New Jersey. Call 1-800-TV-RADIO or visit GoCSB.com. Pete Solari back on KMAZ Radio. This is For Pete's Sake. You can hit me up on Twitter at For Pete's Sake NY, the number four, P-E-T-E-S-A-K-E-N-Y. Also on the web at ForPete'sSake.net. For Pete's Sake spelled the same way, .net. And don't forget to check me out over at the Monday Morning Quarterback, where I am editor-in-chief. For all your sports news and commentary from yours truly, among others, check out the Monday Morning Quarterback at mondaymorningqb.info and on Twitter and Facebook at the Monday AMQB and hashtag TMMQB. All right, so now that we got all that talk about playoff teams out of the way, let's talk about a team that you know, wasn't even close to the playoffs this year. That team I'm talking about, of course, the New York football Giants. And what a circus the Giants have become. I mean, obviously, got to say, you got to be happy, I think. You know, moving on from Jerry Reese, no doubt. I, you know, that should have happened years ago. Got to be happy that Ben McAdoo is now gone as the head coach. That, of course, uh, a disaster, that experiment. So, you know, you're happy about those things. I think, you know, you're getting this, te- you know, thing for fallen teams, teams that have fallen from grace, I think, you know, it's always kind of an exciting time when you move on, new regime, new GM, new head coach, maybe even a new quarterback. You know, these things are always exciting. But uh, I, I don't know. I'm not really excited as a Giants fan for what's going on around this team right now. I'm really not. I mean, again, am I happy Reese is, is gone? Yeah, should have happened years ago. 
My happy McAdoo is gone. Yeah, it was a big mistake. You know, you never should have pushed push Coughlin out the door. But, uh, you know, what what else can you say? I mean, am I happy, you know, so far with the approach uh, the new GM, Dave Gettleman, has taken? Yeah, definitely. But it's very early. You know, we got a long way to go. He hasn't really done much yet. So, you know, I'm happy with, you know, what the things he's saying. Yeah, am I happy he came in and, you know, he kind of, you know, lit a fire under the team, cut Bobby Hart, the offensive lineman, right off the bat, you know, benched Eric Flowers, you know, you know, you're happy he's coming in, he's taking charge, we'll see what he does, you know, uh, from here on, they need a new coach now, and, you know, am I excited that, you know, guys like Josh McDaniels are the front runners to be the coach for the Giants right now, no, I'm not, I'll be honest with you, I'm not really excited about any of the candidates, uh, you know, the Giants are interviewing right now. Unless there's anything to, to, you know, any truth to the to the rumors about Bill Belichick, you know, coming back to the Giants as head coach. I mean, I'm totally on board with that. I'd be very excited about that. I don't know how realistic it is. I think we can all dream, you know, until it, it's, uh, you know, an absolute, until it's absolutely not possible anymore. I think we can dream, but, you know, I wouldn't hang my hopes on that. You know, I don't think it's going to happen, so... You know, we're left with, you know, guys like McDaniels. Like I said, Jim Schwartz, another front runner for the Giants job. Not excited about him at all, to be honest with you. I mean, I look at him. I look at Steve Spagnuolo, and I'm, I just think, you know, there's really not much of a difference there. Both guys weren't very good head coaches. Uh, both guys were much more successful coordinators. But I, I look at the guy, and I don't see Schwartz as a, as a definitive upgrade over Spagnuolo. So, you know, am I excited about him? No, not that much. You know, Matt Patricia, the, the Patriots defensive coordinator, you know, like McDaniels, I'm not I'm not excited about him. Uh, it sounds like he's going to Detroit anyway with the Lions. He's apparently going to take the Lions job, which is kind of interesting. Um, actually, you know, a friend of mine, not myself, I didn't read an article, but a friend of mine told me about an article he read that said, I guess it was an, an editorial that basically said that, you know, the Lions job is a much more attractive job right now than the Giants job. They have this young quarterback in Stafford. And I mean, I, you know, I don't know if I agree with that, but, you know, I definitely think there's an argument to be made there. But it's kind of interesting that they're going with a defensive guy like Patricia in that sense. You know, you think about, uh, uh you know, the co- coach quarterback tandems over the years, the successful ones, the ones that win Super Bowls, you know, Bill Walsh and Joe Montana, you know. Things like that, you know, uh, Jimmy Johnson and Troy Aikman, you know, Tom Landry, Roger Staubach, right? You know, I mean, these things going on for years, you know, these coach-quarterback tandems. And, you know, if you think, you know, that's what you want to build, obviously the Lions want to build this team around Stafford, but I, I was just thinking in that sense they'd, they'd go for an offensive guy. But, uh, you know, either way, I, I, you know, Patricia doesn't excite me. McDaniels doesn't excite me. I'm just, you know, you see what McDaniels did in Denver. You know, he he was ready to build that team around Tim Tebow. Obviously, that didn't work. Um, you know, obviously, that was probably a bad plan from day one. So, I mean, am I excited about him? No. Uh, I'm really, like I said, I'd love to get Belichick back, but I'm not excited about any of his assistants. Um, they don't make very good head coaches, uh, really, overall, any of them. I mean, you think about the, the great assistants they've had over the years there, you know, the Romeo Cronells and the Charlie Weisses. I mean, Bill O'Brien I mean, he's all right. In my opinion, Bill O'Brien's all right. Honestly, that's the one Patriots assistant I don't think I'd I'd be too down on if the Giants could get could get a hold of him, Bill O'Brien. But I don't think that's gonna happen either. Honestly, like I said, not not always high on on Belichick assistants anyway. They never seem to make it as head coaches. Even Charlie Weiss, he went to college. He wasn't a very good coach there. You know, great offensive coordinator though. So, you know, Ben McAdoo, right? 
Um, but just not excited about that. You know, Pat Shermer, another one. I mean, God, the guy was with the Browns for for God's sake. I know, I know he's with the Vikings now, but I mean, as an assistant, I mean, it's just not exciting me very much. I'm not, you know, I'm not high on that one. Um, I know there's this assistant from Denver. I can't even remember his name. I don't know anything about him. So, I mean, I don't know. He doesn't really, he doesn't really excite me either. I mean, honestly, the one, the one candidate that might excite me the most is this guy Wilkes, the defense coordinator, Steve Wilkes with Carolina. And I guess that, you know, Dave Gettleman coming from Carolina. So there's probably a connection there. And honestly, the reason he excites me the most is because, you know, I don't know much about him. You know, these other guys, I'm down on them almost. You know, I'm not impressed with what they've done. This guy, I don't know enough about to not be impressed with them. So, you know, he intrigues me the most. So to me, you know, he's the only one that excites me. Overall, I'm not very excited about the way the coaching search is going. I mean, we'll have to see where it goes, how it ends and, you know, what, you know, what's to come. Maybe, you know, they get. Who knows, you know, maybe Pat Shermer is, is, you know, another Tom Coughlin, but, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't really think so. You know, not high on the McDaniels or, or Patricia, any of the Belichick assistants. Obviously, like I said, Jim Schwartz, I don't see him as an upgrade over Spagnuolo. You might as well give Spagnuolo the job, which I don't think is the the right move either. So, I don't know. I mean, where are the Giants going? We'll have to wait and see, but, you know, regardless of who they hire one thing that seems certain at this point now and i don't agree with it but one thing that certainly uh you know is looking like a gimme at this point is that with the number two overall pick yeah the giants were that bad this year they were the second worst team in the league and they're gonna sit there with the number two overall pick behind uh the cleveland browns and it's like a foregone conclusion at this point that the giants are gonna draft a quarterback with this pick so you know, Eli Eli Manning era could be over in New York. Uh, who knows what's going to happen? I mean, Eli says he wants to come back. Gettleman says he's the quarterback for the foreseeable future. What does that really mean, though? You know, you, you figure he's going to hire a new coach. New coach is probably going to want to bring in a new quarterback. What happens to Eli Manning? I don't know. I mean, at this point, and again, I don't agree with it. I don't think Eli Manning wants to play next year. He says, he, you know, he's going to play next year. I don't blame him for saying that. I think he still can play in this league. I don't have reason to believe he, he can't play in this league because he was behind a horrible offensive line. I mean, I, I've been clamoring about this offensive line for years and years, and now, finally, people are starting to notice it. Like, everyone else is ta- starting to say it, too. Well, the offensive line's bad. Yeah, obviously it's bad. I'm glad everyone else finally caught up. But you, why is Eli Manning going to take, you know, the blame for that? And I, I don't, you know, I think the guy can still play, and I think he's got some options out there to play. Uh, I think two teams really, really that uh, I think are realistic possibilities. One, the Jacksonville Jaguars, if you saw them over the weekend. I mean, this is a team that for years they've been spending money, hasn't really worked for them. This year they finally got something going. The owner uh, down there giving that credit to Tom Coughlin. Tom Coughlin, Eli Manning's favorite, you know, uh, or former coach, his former coach. And I was talking about those quarterback-coach tandems. You know, a couple minutes ago, and that that's one of them. Eli Manning, Tom Coughlin, two-time Super Bowl champions. I mean, hey, you know, uh, is it hard to, to imagine Eli Manning ending up down there with Tom Coughlin in Jacksonville? Like I said, a team spending money for years trying to get it right. The owner giving credit to Coughlin coming down and finally getting it right. Obviously, they're in the playoffs this year. Big turnaround for them this year. 
I, I think a team on the rise too, but Blake Bortles, whew, that guy is not the answer for them. Obviously, obviously they need a quarterback down there. You get a guy like Eli Manning with that team, who knows? Sky's the limit, I think. And, you know, with Tom Coughlin there too, don't be surprised if that happens. Another option I think Eli Manning has, the Denver Broncos. Obviously, they're looking for a quarterback. And uh, if you heard the news, Mike Sullivan, who was the Giants' offensive coordinator under Ben McAdoo, uh, is actually taking the quarterback's coaching job over in Denver. I don't really know how this works. I guess with with the, the new route, the head coach gone, with the head coach search, the assistants are free to kind of move on. But it's you know it sounds like Mike Sullivan's taking like a downgrade. He was the offensive coordinator with the Giants. Now he's going to be a position coach. With the with the Broncos, so he taking a little bit of a downgrade, but you know what are the what are the Broncos thinking here? Why Mike Sullivan? Are they are they looking for Eli Manning? You know, obviously we know what what Peyton Manning did for the Broncos at the end of his career. He went he went out to Denver. He took them to two, to two Super Bowls. He won one of those Super Bowls. I mean, you know, how far off is uh is Denver if they get if they get an experienced veteran quarterback who again I think can still play in Eli Manning? So. You know, two realistic possibilities, I think, for Eli Manning in the future. I don't want to see it happen. I think, like I said, I think the guy can still play. And I'd like to see him come back with the Giants. I'd like to see, you know, them try to develop this kid, Davis Webb. You you know, they drafted him last year in the third round at a Cal. So, you know, what's the plan for him? I thought he was the heir apparent to Eli Manning. I thought that's why he's been, you know, sitting behind Eli Manning all year, you know, and learning. But, you know... Now, look, you know, the Giants moving forward. They got this number one pick. Seems like a foregone conclusion. Everyone pretty high on Josh Rosen at UCLA. Um, he's already said he doesn't want to play for Cleveland. So, you know, maybe he's there for the Giants. You know, we'll see. Sam Darnold, the, the kid at uh, USC, basically said he'd, he'd be honored to be drafted by any any NFL team. So maybe Cleveland goes that way. The Rosen's there for the Giants. What You know, what happens to Davis Webb then? And if, if, you know, if we're going to waste this pick on a quarterback, maybe not even waste, I don't want to, maybe waste isn't the right word, but if we're going to use this pick this year on a quarterback, why did we waste a third round pick on a quarterback in Davis Webb last year? I mean, just, you know, a lot of mistakes in the past, and it just seems like, you know, we're, we're compiling them, we're, we're piling them on here, and, you know, like I said, Davis Webb, I mean, you had to have some faith in him. You used a third-round draft pick on him. A lot of the guys on the team now, Landon Collins specifically, coming out and saying, you know, we don't need a quarterback, that Davis Webb is the heir apparent to Eli Manning. So, you know, what else can you get for for this number two pick? I mean, who knows? I, I don't The kid Barkley, the running back out of Penn State's getting a lot of talk in New York too. I'm not big on drafting running backs right there with the number two pick. I think, you know, you look at the – Cowboys a couple years ago they used that pick on Ezekiel Elliott it was like the number four pick they could have had Joey Bosa right there I think the Cowboys would be a lot better off you know with with uh, uh Joey Bosa on their defense and letting Alfred Morris or even Darren McFadden who now retired but you know letting one of those guys run that ball behind that big stud offensive line I mean that you know like I said the offensive line is so important uh on a, for a good football team and 
the Cowboys have one, and, and I don't think the running back really matters there, and I think that's very true in the league. For me, uh, for a running back, what I want out of a running back is basically the guy's got, you know, some speed and doesn't fumble the ball and can run straight ahead, you know? Anything else is like a bonus to me. If he's got some elusive moves, you know, he can make guys miss and tackles, I, you know, that's great. It's all well and good, but, you know, just don't fumble the ball and, you know, put an offensive line on the field that'll open the holes and, and make the, the running back's job easy, basically. So, you know, what What do the Giants do with those picks? Who knows? Who really knows? I think, honestly, their best option, though, if it was me, their best option would not would be to be, try to trade it, trade down, you know, try to get a, a few more first-round picks for the future, you know? Who knows? You trade down with another bad team, you, you get one of their first-round picks for next year, you know, see what you have in Davis Webb next year. If he's not the answer, you move on, you draft your quarterback. I mean, I don't... Or you go through free agency. I don't. I don't think you know. I just don't think it's smart right now for the Giants to 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 pick the, this quarterback here. And I know people say you know you don't have this opportunity much, and you know you don't you don't you don't have a chance to draft your franchise quarterback. So you got to do it when you have the chance. And the Giants over the years, obviously been a successful organization for the most part so who knows when they'll have this chance again i definitely I get all that i hear it but you know here here's the thing what happens if you draft rosen and he's a bust and, and then davis webb you let him go and he turns out to be the next you know russell wilson i know he's not built like russell wilson he's a lot bigger than russell wilson um i do hear he has mobility though webb obviously haven't seen a lot of him but from what i hear he's got you know he's got more mobility so you know what happens? You know, Rosen. What if Rosen ends up being a bust? What if uh, you know Webb ends up being the next you know Russell Wilson, a third round pick that you know ends up being a, a Pro Bowl, Super Bowl champion quarterback, and you know Eli Manning moves on and he let's say he goes and wins a Super Bowl in Denver. What you know the Giants are going to end up with egg on their face if that's what happens. You know the thing is nothing is a sure thing, and you got this kid Webb. You drafted him for a reason, I think, right? And you, you've had him now for a year, and I, I, you know, I haven't heard anything, you know, to the point where you know they need, they think they need to move on. That this isn't the guy. This guy can't play in this league. His teammates have his back. So, you know, just I just I'm not sure it's the smartest move. It might be better for the Giants to maybe trade down in this draft, compile more draft picks for the future, and move forward with Eli and Webb. I mean. Honestly, like I said, what happens if you're a Giants fan? How are you going to feel if they draft Rosen and he turns out to be, you know, you know, another Jamarcus Russell? And then Davis Webb ends up being a Pro Bowl, Super Bowl champion quarterback. And Eli Manning goes to Denver and wins a Super Bowl. How are you going to feel about that as a New York Giants fan? How are you going to feel about your team and your organization if any of that happens? And honestly, I'm so down on the Giants recently and how they've, they've really since they pushed Coughlin out the door. That I almost wish that would happen. Part of me wishes that would happen right now. If it actually happens in the future, I'm going to be pissed. I, I know it. But right now, part of me wishes that, that that's what happens. That they draft Rosen. He doesn't work out. That Webb goes on to be a, you know, a, a very, very good to great NFL quarterback. And that Eli Manning goes on to win a Super Bowl with Denver. You know, One better. I hope Eli Manning goes on to win that Super Bowl with Jacksonville. Because then, you know, Tom Coughlin gets in on the act, then the Giants will totally have egg on their face. And I, I, honestly, I think, you know, I'm, v I'm very nervous about this. I just don't think the Giants need to move on from Eli Manning yet. I think he's still got at least two good years left in him. Okay, I think, you know, that leaves that opens a window of two years for you to find his heir apparent 
if Davis Webb isn't the answer, which you can also learn over the next two years. So, you know, what the Giants are going to do, I don't know. But here's what I do know. They've become a circus. And really, I'm not I'm not all that optimistic about the future right now. I'm really not. I want to be, but I'm not. And, you know, we're obviously, we're going to take the wait-and-see approach. We'll see what they do. Uh, and we'll go from there. But right now, not not really ha- happy with the Giants. I mean, I should be happier with the number two pick. But, man, I mean, this is uh, the worst time ever, I think, to get a number two pick for the Giants. So we'll see where they go. We'll evaluate it from there. But, you know, like I said, I don't think it's it's necessarily time to move on from Eli Manning. I think if they do move on from Eli Manning, Eli Manning is going to go somewhere else and do very good things. So, you know, the Giants, you know, we'll see what they do. But oh, honestly, I just I wish the Giants were just sitting on like the number seven pick right now. We can get an impact player, definitely someone to help this team turn it around. But not, not I just don't want to be in the position to draft a quarterback right now because, like I said, I just don't I just don't think we need to. And I don't know why, but I keep envisioning, you know, I keep envisioning now. You, you know, Davis Webb going off, you know, winning a Super Bowl with a, a team like the Broncos or, so, you know, whoever. It's another team that needs a quarterback right now. Imagine if you went to win the, the Browns. Imagine if Davis Webb went off. The Giants let Davis Webb go. The Browns bring him in, and, and, and he he's the guy that wins them their, their first Super Bowl. I just keep envisioning this. You know, Davis Webb winning a Super Bowl with the Browns. Eli Manning and Tom Coughlin winning, winning with the Jaguars. And the Giants, whoever they draft, you know, the guy just – turning out to be a bust and you know year, years of misery ahead for the Giants you know things can change in a hurry in the NFL as, as we've seen you know the 49ers were once a dominant team dominant franchise in this league and you know it's been a long time really since since they they've, they've been that way you know things can change you know the Jaguars were, were terrible and, and now they're you know now they're contenders, you know, somewhat contenders at least. You know, things change in a hurry in the NFL. So, you know, just because you've been been good and successful recently like the Giants have over the past 20, 30 years, you know, that can all change. It can all change. You know, the, the, the 49ers, I know they got to that one Super Bowl. They lost to the Ravens. But, you know, for a long time, the, the that team was the dominant franchise in the league. And it's been a long time now since they have been. So, th- you know, things change in the NFL and I'm just very, very concerned about the Giants' future. So I guess, you know, time will tell, and we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. All right, so the Giants, uh, they just have this way of uh, bumming me out. So we're going to get on to some more positive things after the break. going to get into the, the NFL Divisional Round. going to give you my picks for that. And we're going to close this thing out in style. So don't go anywhere. This is For Pete's Sake on KMAZ Radio, and we will be right back. Remember back when school was fun and something to look forward to? Wait, school can actually be fun? That's right, earning an education and having fun can go hand in hand, and you'll see what I'm talking about when you attend the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. The learn-by-doing approach and the hands-on training you receive as a student at CSB works wonders for those who aren't exactly textbook learners like myself. The fact that broadcast professionals currently working in the industry teach the classes gives its students the first-hand knowledge they need to know to work in this industry. The Connecticut School of Broadcasting is the oldest and largest group of community 
communication schools in the country, and 2014 marks the school's 50th anniversary. Let CSB make your broadcasting dreams become a reality and enroll today by calling 1-800-TV-RADIO or log on to go.csb.org. Both day and night classes are available. Call 1-800-TV-RADIO today to schedule your studio tour. It is time for Today in Sports History, and on this date, January 10th, 1957, Baseball Commissioner Ford Frick rules that Bing Crosby can keep token stock in the Detroit Tigers, even though he owns part of the Pittsburgh Pirates. In 1982, Dwight Clark makes his iconic fingertip catch on a touchdown pass from Joe Montana with 58 seconds left in the NFC Championship game as the 49ers defeat the Cowboys and advance to Super Bowl 16. In 1983, the New York Supreme Court issues a preliminary injunction barring the Yankees from playing a season-opening series against the Tigers in Denver. And on January 10, 1996, after winning two Super Bowls with the Cowboys, Jimmy Johnson is named head coach of the Miami Dolphins. To learn more about what happened today or any day in sports, film, music, TV, and more, check out OnThisDay.com and don't touch that dial for Pete's sake. We'll be right back on KMAZ Radio. KMAZ Radio. My name is Pete Solari. You can hit me up on Twitter at for Pete's sake NY. And you just heard Maggie May by Sir Rod Stewart. He's a sir, right? Yeah, yes, Sir Rod, Sir Rod Stewart. Maggie May from 1971. And that is your song of the day because today 
is Rod Stewart's 75th birthday. Can you believe it? January 10th, 1945. Sir Rod Stewart born. So in honor of that, the birthday boy, you just heard Maggie Mae from 1971. That off the album, Every Picture Tells a Story. And that song climbed all the way to the top of the UK charts back in October of that year. Also re-entered the UK charts five years later in December of 1976. So in honor of Rod Stewart, the birthday boy on this is 75th birthday, the diamond year 75. Maggie Mae is your song of the day. All right, so we are back here on KMAZ Radio. This is for Pete's sake and... In the last couple minutes here today, I just want I just want to talk about the divisional round of the NFL playoffs we got coming up this weekend, and I want to give you my picks for those games. So that's what we're going to do right now. And I want to start in Philadelphia, where the Philadelphia Eagles, the top seed in the NFC, will be hosting the Atlanta Falcons. Believe it or not, Philadelphia actually an underdog in this game. Atlanta laying two and a half points to the Eagles. In Philadelphia, and that, of course, you know why that is, because, you know, Carson Wentz isn't there. So many questions surrounding the Eagles. Can Nick Foles get it done? Honestly, I look at this game, if if you're betting on this game, and if you are betting on this game, please, you know, seek other counsel besides my own before you lay any money, especially serious money, on my picks. But, honestly, I look at this game, you know, just a two and a half point spread. It's basically a pick 'em to me. I think this is going to be a close game, I think. You know, I don't. I don't think Philadelphia's going to get run out of the, out of the building or anything, regardless of, of who the quarterback is. Still a very good team there in Philadelphia, but you know, I look at the Falcons. I I, I just I, I, honestly, I look at this game as a pick'em, two and a half points. I think it's going to probably be like a three-point game, so it really is a pick'em. And if I was a betting man, which I really am not, I'd probably yeah, I'd probably give the edge to, to, you know, Matt Ryan and the Falcons. Obviously, the experience they have. And, of course, they're coming off, you know, a, a big win out in L.A. A team a lot of people were very high on the L.A. Rams. But, you know, the Falcons out there getting it done. Obviously, we know what they did last year all the way to the Super Bowl. But, you know, <laughs> you know, you really, they, you know, they should have won that game, honestly, you know, but... They're back in the playoffs this year. I like their experience. Like I said, it's a pick'em game to me. I wouldn't be surprised if Philadelphia won this game. Not in the slightest would I be surprised if they won this game. But like I said, if I was a betting man, which I'm not, I would probably lay my money on the Atlanta Falcons. All right, moving on over to the AFC. we got New England and Tennessee. That one in Foxborough this weekend. Obviously, you heard me talking about Tennessee. A little earlier on, very high on Marcus Mariota after last week, but, you know, this is the New England Patriots. This is a different animal. Obviously, you've heard about the the power struggle going on there with the owner, Robert Kraft, the quarterback, Tom Brady, and the coach, Bill Belichick. Hey, listen, I'd like nothing more than than to see the Patriots get knocked off, and I'm not one of these Patriots haters. Honestly, over this Patriots dynasty, this Belichick-Brady dynasty, I've always kind of rooted for the Patriots. Outside of when they played the Giants in those two Super Bowls, I was always pulling for the Patriots for the most part in those Super Bowls. So I'm not a Patriots hater by any stretch, but yeah, I'd love to see them get knocked off. I'd love to see Bill Belichick become available. Like I said, I can dream. Don't think it's going to happen, and I really don't think it's going to happen this week. Marcus Mariota, like I said, jury's still out on this guy. On the rise right now, I think you saw what he did. You saw what he did last week with Jack. Um, I'm sorry, against Kansas City. 
honestly, I think, you know, this Patriots team, just a different animal. They are a 13 and a half point favorite. So the question here is, you know, do they cover or not at this 13 and a half? Listen, like I said, I think the Tennessee Titans are, are a good team. Honestly, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they kept this game close. But my gut feeling tells me that the Patriots are not only going to win this game, but they are going to cover. So, again, if I was a betting man, which I'm not, I'd probably lay my money on New England. Give Tennessee the 13 and a half. I, I think this is New England's day. All right. Also in the AFC, you got Pittsburgh hosting the Jacksonville Jaguars. You know, this a seven and a half point spread. The uh, the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars giving seven and a half to the Pittsburgh Steelers. This one up in Pittsburgh at Heinz Field. What do you what do you what can you say? I mean, the Jacksonville Jaguars at this point, I'm rooting for them again because Tom Coughlin. I'm a fan, so I want to see Coughlin do well, but. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, you played the Buffalo Bills this past weekend. You didn't look very good. Blake Bortles actually, uh, you know, really getting the job done with his legs. He actually rushed for one more yard than he threw for in the game. He only threw for like 87 yards. He rushed for 88. So he definitely got the job done. But, you know, all due respect to, you know, Tyrod Taylor and LaShawn McCoy. You know, the Pittsburgh Steelers, that's a different animal too. You got Ben Roethlisberger up there. Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell, obviously... This is a team with a ton of experience, a great coach in Mike Tomlin. Just, you know, the Jaguars, hey, they're playing with house money at this point. Anything could happen. Like I said, I always look back to that 2007 Giants team. Obviously, Tom Coughlin, a big part of that. You know, they weren't supposed to beat the Cowboys or the Packers or the Patriots. Anything could happen in the NFL playoffs. But again, if I'm a betting man, I, I just don't I don't see the, the with Blake Bortles on under center. I just don't see it for the Jacksonville Jaguars so you know what give them the seven and a half but I put my money on Pittsburgh final game of the weekend you got Minnesota hosting the Saints you heard me talk about this a little earlier hey listen I think the Saints are gonna go in there and get the job done I really do I honestly do and I, and I gave you my reasons before and as I'm running out of time here today I don't want to reiterate but everything I said about the Saints earlier I think this is the team coming out of the NFC so if I was a betting man, I'd be putting my money on the New Orleans Saints in Minnesota. They are a four-point underdog, but let me tell you, the ground attack, the air attack, Drew Brees, the two-headed running back, the improved defense, the good offensive line. Listen, I'm a fan of the New Orleans Saints, and I think they're going to get the job done, and it's going to be another heartbreak for Minnesota. All right. Just a quick quick disclaimer, again, once again, I am no professional, so if you were actually planning on putting money on these games, please seek professional counsel, which I am not, and this show is not a venue for. Okay, so I hate to just run, but unfortunately I am completely out of time. I want to thank you all for joining me here today. Don't forget to give me a follow over on Twitter, at for Pete's sake NY, and check out my work at the Monday Morning Quarterback, that at Monday Morning QB. Dot info and of course join us again next week 12 eastern time on kmaz radio for another episode of for pete's sake but until then my name is pete solari and i am signing off